to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, live from Circa in Las Vegas, hanging out with the best view of Stadium Swim that you can find. We got all sorts of live sports going on behind us. Please don't block us, YouTube. Uh, <laughs> it's a great view, though, isn't it? I mean, the TV back there is actually ridiculous. I, I'm going to go spend the rest of the night hanging out, watching that thing if I can. Uh, Avs win their third game of the rookie faceoff. This one 4-3 to three over Vegas in overtime. They win all three of their games at this event, and that's where I want to start the show today. They go 3-0 and at a rookie faceoff. Is this, uh, is, does this matter to the organization internally? Are they patting themselves on the back, hey, we went 3-0, and or do they not care about the record at this thing at all? I think it matters for players to some extent as well as Aaron Schneekloth in something of a coaching debut to get those wins over this weekend overseeing this group especially looking at the depleted loss lineup that they had to put on the ice tonight this afternoon he had to make some difficult decisions and get a little creative having Brian Yoon play as a forward and it's interesting then for them to even come out with the win because it we talk about culture a lot on the show and For players that are just invites at this tournament, obviously there's a lot on the line because players are trying to impress, generally speaking, but being able to pull out the win and get opposite of a good Vegas team just felt like the story of the showcase, that they were playing opposite of teams that had really deep prospect pools, and no matter who they put on the ice, they found a way to win, and I think that's just culturally going to be significant for what it ends up being the Eagles group coming going forward, and then also even Utah players that are going to stay in the depth of the organization as well. Great point about Schneekloth, especially as a, a guy who's stepping up to that AHL level. A lot of these guys are going to be playing for him this year. Great Cronin never went 3-0. <laughs> Not in this tournament, <laughs> even. Just saying. Hey, Sierra. man. Hey, hey. It matters if you're three and zero, and if you're zero and three, it doesn't matter. No, right? oh, no, so it's just, it's so just, just not. No, but you're right. I mean, those points are valid. And guys that get on the ice, they're competitors. You put on a jersey, it's a piece of ice, and all it is, it's an opportunity to show what you can do. And and hockey players usually are competitors. They'll compete in the hallway at the hotel to see who's the first one back to the room. You know, what I mean, all that stuff. So, of course, they're going to compete on the ice. So, I think it was nice to see some guys pass the test. Some guys, you know. Not so much, but overall, like you said, for Schneekloth, for everybody, it's a great time for the organization to see all their their kids all together and set the tone for the culture for the rest of the week. Well, the kid that showed what he can do in today's game has to be Oscar Olauson, right? Finally gets on the board, has a nice goal, has a, a great setup for the game, tying goal as well. What are we looking at for Olauson? across the course of this weekend? Is this a, hey, he finished strong, take that step and head into training camp on a positive note, or is it a little bit of a disappointment that he didn't show more across the entire event? I think this is best reflected in the fact that Matt Steinberg and Sam Malinsky did not play in this game. I think they showed what they needed to in the showcase and sort of earned the night off, whereas Oscar did play. He continued to wear a letter for the entirety of the tournament, so they're looking to him for leadership, giving him a lot of responsibility. So it's not a punishment, but it is a message that's being sent that he plays in this final game. And so it's not necessarily the best position for him to be in, and it was extremely important then for him to show well in this final game. For me, one out of three, he has one good game out of three. Sure. 
it's pretty much his pro career to this point. Yeah. So, um, you know, he had a good day today. I don't want to. Sure. I don't want to come down really hard on him or anything like that. Uh, but after two pretty unspectacular and disappointing efforts, he had a really strong one today. It was. It was good to see. I mean, it was a good reminder of. Why he's, he's still sh- good? Yeah. yeah. Why? Why there should be some excitement there? You know, the, the the size, the skill, all the things that you really like about him are are there. And when he's on, boy, is he on! I mean, it was it was an impressive day for him. He was aggressive and scores a goal and makes a great play on uh, uh, for for a primary assist. So, I, I no bones for me. I mean, it's looking at the entire weekend. Uh, I'm left wanting. Looking at today, there you go. That's what you're after. Yeah, I, I've never really seen him play, so that was my first weekend, so to speak, right? Three games in a row to to see and assess what what did they see in him, right? So you saw it today. You you saw, I guess, the, the the puck on the flank there, and he and he puts it home. He's got a great NHL shot. He makes that, like Rudo said, outstanding play. For the game tying goal, um, sets up Fairbrother in the uh, overtime. Uh, like we talked about earlier, I don't know. Ranton and McKinnon, they put that in there. You know, what I mean, they, they put that yeah. in the empty net. I yeah. mean, that was a, that, that's an NHL play. So I I saw today what 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 Wade and the crew saw a couple years ago when they when they drafted him. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a combination of skills and size and. Um, but what I'm looking for, what I'm going to look for next week is uh, Megan and I were talking about that in the first period. Like, it's, I hate that expression, like playing away from the puck. You know, like, no, no, I get that. You, you, you can, uh, you can't teach talent, but you can teach that. Um, so I'd like for him to, to, to show that those plays away from the puck are important. And I know that Cronin spent a lot of time last year and the staff down there, right, on, on. Working on little things of the game where you don't have the puck, where it makes things easier for you, and it makes the game easier for you for your teammates. And you know, I saw a couple things today that I'm like, oof, you know, like this. I, I get it now. You know what they're talking about. But on the flip side, like I said, you can't teach talent. And and you saw him tonight with the biscuit. He makes plays. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a great effort. And you know whether it was uh, you know his third game and. Four nights, whatever it was, and you know, would have maybe liked the day off. He didn't salt. He responded to the challenge, and that's what we talked about the last few days. It's about answering the bell, and it's about passing some tests. So today, pass the test. With Oscar, it's never been so much an issue for me with how he creates. It's how consistently he does, because yeah. you see when he does take that shot, it is an impressive one, and it does reward him eventually. But he doesn't necessarily utilize his shot every game. And he doesn't necessarily distribute the puck as efficiently as he did tonight to lead to some good scoring opportunities. And then the other thing is the play away from the puck. And this is where we talk about how he needs to hunt for pucks and be more engaged in that way. It's a habit. And a habit means that it has to happen consistently. And even in a three-day showcase, we weren't necessarily seeing that completely in games one and two. We'll see the effort at times. Like we talked about how game one was physical for Oscar Olison, but there were still ways in which he wasn't using that the most effectively. I think that's just the little bit of concern that's there, but the things that he does well, when he does do them, he has games like today. Yep. And, and look, 
the reality is he probably ends up in the AHL at very least to start the season, if not the whole year, where he will have that season to start doing these things more consistently, to work on them and prove that he can be an NHLer every day instead of one out of three days. Going to so, have to develop an edge. Yep, you got to find something, but that's part of the job of becoming an yeah. NHLer, right? The way that he plays right now is not going to fly in a bottom six, so... He's gonna have to develop a little bit of an edge if he um, if he's gonna be able to really fit into one of those roles. This was a note from the development camp day, like right before they came over to Vegas, that he got a new trainer this summer and had some of the best physicals that he had coming out of this summer. And I just think it's something to note and keep an eye on then into this season. That I think there is still this component of Oscar that is trying to get better, get stronger. And if he's going to use that physicality yep. throughout the course of a season, he can take a step forward. It's just this next year is going to be really important for him. Yeah, I agree. If I could just add, like, he gets hit at the end of the game, the other game he gets hit tonight. You know, that's what I mean by yeah. playing away from the puck, right? And that It's not just your decision how you're hunting pucks. Or, but something happened, you know, you got rid of the puck, and situational awareness like you know you're gonna get hit therefore you have to defend yourself and when i say that is you know I, i'm not about violence i'm not that's not what i'm saying but you can have your sticks a weapon you know you can just put it and you'll see the guy's not gonna i didn't say to spear him and get a five minute major that's not what i'm saying but you make a play you're a little aware you know you're gonna get hit your sticks like this he's not coming the board is right here. Your stick is right here. You're like this. No one's coming to hit you because it's the worst feeling in the world. You're going to get that stick in the stomach and whoa, you run out of breath. Like, so that's what I mean by not just hunting pucks. I just know that, you know, if you're in better shape, if you're bigger, if you're, you know, got a new trainer and everything, then, then, you know, bring that. You know what I mean? Where you're aware, situational awareness of the game, you know what's going on. That I think you put all those tools together, then he becomes a better package of a hockey player. Yep, I think that uh, is a great way to put it. It's still a, a learning curve for sure uh, for someone like that. And it, let's be honest, it, this is three days, four days, three games. You can take things away from uh, an event like this, and you should take things away from this. But if you're making wide sweeping decisions based on this small of a sample size, Good luck. Except, I'll put it that way. Except for signing Jeremy Hansel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we were making those decisions after rookie camp, let alone this whole event. We made those but. decisions on draft day. <laughs> Not wrong. Not wrong. But another good game from him, right? Three assists on the back end. I think you saw across the course of this tournament. Game one, he's that defensively responsible guy that you want to see be steady for you. By the end of this game three, he's activating every other shift, jumping in, being part of that offense. How much further does he need to go? What does he need to do in training camp to really get that contract? Honestly, just what he did here. Because um, what we saw was, you know, the, the difference in play in the three games. Well, he, he had different jobs in those three games. You know, he was not playing next to Sam Malinsky in game one. He was in game two uh, getting a specific matchup. He's playing on the left side in those games, and he played on the right side today. Played a, played a lot on the right side in the WHL. So, you know, for a left-handed defenseman, that's valuable for him to be able to move like that. And seeing him excel in the different kinds of roles that they put him in, 
okay, so now he's on, now he's running a power play, and now he's on a PK, you know, and having the kind of success that he did should only be encouraging that this is a guy that you can give more and more trust and opportunity to to see what he does with it because he didn't do anything but impress this weekend for my money. You know, it was certainly not perfect. It's not like you look at every decision he made and say, oh, it just aced it, you know? And the same was true for all the other guys, you know, the, the Brendan Brissons and Josh Stones and, and, and Logan Cooley's of the world. No they all one here mistakes. did everything perfect or else they wouldn't be here. Right. And <laughs> um, for, for Hansel, I just think that you look at, now he's going to go into pro camp. The Avs just need to continue to give him competitive opportunities. Give him a couple of preseason games. Let him see what it looks like with with a more AHL-level talent uh, of a roster and see how he handles it. Because if he handles it in the same way that he handled this, then I really don't know how he goes back to the WHL. Thoughts from this side of the table on Hansel? It's interesting the rapid progression of responsibility that they have given to him, even in the course of this weekend. It yep. went from... What we saw in game one, and there's definitely some shaking off the rust, I think, for everybody playing yeah. newly together to getting top pair minutes along Linsky to almost everybody's gone from this game. He is heading up the top of that pairing and, and just going to be utilized in all situations in a game that does go to overtime, an overtime period in which he is on the ice. Yep. And obviously also just incredibly important in the game, generally speaking. Yep. But in seeing that rapid progression, they're rewarding him handsomely then with responsibility. It makes sense to have him go in preseason games if he follows in this general direction. And so that is, like AJ saying, to keep doing what he's doing as well. I think that he has a good head on his shoulders and responded to the pressures of this weekend very maturely and was very poised under some of it, especially looking at what the, lo the lineup looked like tonight. And that is the next step for him then is to continue doing what he's been doing because he is likely to receive more responsibility coming out of this. And you got to remember, games like this, it's a little chaotic, right? It's like taking leftovers in the fridge and making a sandwich out of it, right? A ham with some pork, and oh, I got shit, I'll put it in there. And that's that's what you're, it's a mishpah, like it's a, right? It's just, they've never played together, they've never been together, so it's hard. And then to see the way he reacted, hands always nice, like you said, and AJ said it, like left side, right side. Today, Malinsky's not there, so he gets a little bit more of the quarterback type on the power yep. play, right? So he responds. It's about passing tests, so he does that. And, and now it's over. But now he feels better going home, get a day off tomorrow, and then, all right, now it's the next step, the next test. Um, as far as exhibition games, you know, uh, you know of course, like, you, you want to see guys like that, and, and then hopefully he does, you know, get in there uh, at some point. Uh, the Avs have, what, six, six games, right? Yeah. Six, six, yep. six preseason yep. games, and sometimes, you know, you know, you, you got a guy like Manson that hasn't played a lot, right, that's going to want to test it out, and sometimes, you know, it comes at the expense of a guy like that where they're like, oh, but Kale's got to get his couple games in to get his thing in, and, you know, so you have to look at the numbers, and see where it's at, and then, but you know, I, I can't see. I agree where he doesn't get a a game or you know or two, and then somewhere somehow we all talked about he's going to end up in Loveland, right? And then you got to remember now you got some time in Loveland and uh, with the Eagles, and and there'll be some ex some preseason games there too, and then you know, and then you can make a decision. You don't have to make a decision with him either, like you know, next week and say, oh, he's going back to juniors, or oh, he's staying here with the Eagles. So there is a little bit of time. I think there's a little bit of leeway for him to to impress. 
like we talked about. He impressed a lot the last few days. Now all he can do is just build on that confidence. And, again, I'm using that same line, but that's that's all it is. It's make them make decisions. How, how much of events like this are maybe not even fully related to hockey, but, hey, they're just going to throw responsibility at these kids and see who handles it the best? A hundred percent. Because hockey, I say that to my younger one, like, hockey's chaotic. It's not like it's not like this. You have tendencies, but you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to, to react to things. And, you know, somewhere, somehow, you have to play the left side, the right side. And then, you know, some get, oh, I can't. I'm alive. i got to be on the left side. Well, then it narrows your chances of, you know, being a, able to play in the lineup, you know, for, for different teams. So you got to be able to be versatile and bring tools to your toolbox. And, and I think that, you know, it's important to see how those kids react on, on a situation like this. and Because it's easy to have an average game and not do much. And then after, it's like, oh, just didn't know the systems really and guys were in the wrong spot. Because, because it is hard. And I, and I say it all the time. It's harder to play in a game in the American Hockey League than it is to play a game in the NHL. Because in the NHL, everybody's in the right spot. Everybody's at the right place. You're making the play, and the guys... When the American League, I call that a little bit of tryout hockey. I don't know if you've ever seen tryout for youth hockey. Everybody's all over the place because you want to impress. And, and you go out there, and you're, you know, there's a little bit of selfishness in your game because, oh, i got to show that. i got to do it, you know? So it's easier to play a game in the National Hockey League than to play in the American League for those reasons, you know? If you're up to snuff. If you can keep up. If if you're up to snuff. I'm I'm talking about, of course. I would also say, who is Jeremy Hansel impressing the most this weekend? Who's coaching that team? It's Schneekloff right there. It's the the Eagles head coach. It's not Jerry Pittner. It's the guy that's trying to make roster decisions in Loveland this year. And I know that the AHL roster, there are more factors than just the head coach. Well, you're trying to get you're trying to get a voice on your side in the room. That's a pretty good place to start. Is earning the trust of Aaron Schneekloth first, and then winning everybody else over the rest of the preseason and saying, "WHL doesn't have anything for me." Well, and looking at Schneekloth's decisions with Hansel, Fairbrother gets in two of the three games. Yep. Hansel's in all of them, and he's just continuing to get more and more responsibility in each. And that's not to say that any decision has been made, but Schneekloth talked about Hansel and he liked him. He thought he looked good, and that's why he had the opportunities that he did throughout the course of the showcase. And to Eric's point about why it's important for a player like Hansel to demonstrate that he does well under pressure, who he's going up against to be in preseason games are players with veteran experience like Jack Ashan, Schooneman, Keaton Middleton, and those are going to be difficult decisions then because those are players who definitely do well under pressure. They have that pro experience, and they're going to be helpful to get in the lineup in some of these preseason games so that players like Bo Byram don't need to do very much in preseason. And I, I don't doubt that Josh Manson's going to be getting in games to test how he feels too based on what C-Mac told us. So in knowing these things, it's hard to then look at the 20-year-old who's only had major junior experience leading up to this and say, well, he can hang mentally with the likes of Keaton Middleton. It's definitely important then for Hansel to show that he can handle that. Yep. But you're right with Schneekloff. Like, you gotta, how to put it, it's, it's the fact that he showed leadership. He showed Schneekloff that's on the bench and, and Connor Waltschok and everyone, right? The whole staff. He's, yeah. he's shown there and he probably feels better about himself. And there's a comfort level with coaches because you're with them every day. So if you look, I'll, I'll use JT Comfer. There's a comfort level with 
Bender, right? Yep. Is JT Comfort the best player in the world? No, he's not. He's, he's an excellent player. But Bender trusted him. PK, PP, face-offs, anybody, right? You know, there's a comfort level. And, and I think that you have to build that as a player with your coach. And I think that, yeah, going back to Hansel, he did just that this weekend with Schneekloff. You know, so now he's like, okay. All right, this guy can take. Let's give him more now, which is now the big boys this week. And then, yep. you know, who knows where it's going to lead. But, yeah, it was interesting to see. More to come, I'm sure, one way or another for Hansel. On that note, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Distillery. You can go get amazing award-winning whiskey from Breckenridge Distillery. And right now, they're going to run a contest. We will win two tickets to the Breckenridge Bourbon Whiskey Suite for the Broncos-Chargers game on New Year's Eve. Uh, it's a pretty fun time no matter what you're doing. Uh, you can post your favorite Broncos photos to Instagram and Facebook using the hashtag Broncos Bourbon. When you do that, you'll be entered in. They're going to narrow their favorites down in December and then pick the one that gets voted most by the fans. Use that Broncos Bourbon hashtag. Go over to BreckenridgeDistillery.com slash Bourbon of Denver Broncos today to get yourself entered into the contest. And then, you know, when you win, enjoy a bunch of whiskey on a New Year's Eve at a Broncos game. Sounds pretty dope, does it not? Uh, they have other options as well, tons of different alcohols. If you're into seltzers, they've got that. They've got a uh, Broncos Blizzard vodka. So if vodka's more your thing, check that out too. Uh, it's not, but it might be. It might be? Yeah, I mean, that sounds delicious. I mean, I'm a vodka guy, so you know it's about it for me. Uh, you can go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com. Their products are available in all 50 states, and you can even get it delivered to your house. Uh, their award-winning spirits. Go check them out today. Also brought to you by Kind Love. So, if you know, alcohol is not your thing. Maybe weed is your thing. Kind Love been doing it in Colorado since the beginning of legality, basically. They've been around since 2010. It's all farm to table. They grow their own stuff, and then they have it right there in their dispensaries. Go get hooked up with Kind Love. You can go to kindlove.com today to order and see their full menu. Of course, you can always go in-store as well and use code DNVR to get 25% off all in-store purchases. So that's a darn good deal right there on their gummies, their flour, their turbo joints, you name it. They've got tons of products that will do the job for you one way or another. Again, if you want their full menu, go to kindlove.com, use the DNVR code, get that 25% off your purchase. You can even get it delivered in some cases. So go check out one of their locations today at Kind Love. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Is there anything else we want to touch on from the game before we move on? No, no. Ivan, no? Ivan rules. Yeah, <laughs> and another solid game for the kid. I, I do agree. Uh, Kale, big Ivan Ivan fan, confirmed. Ivan. Yeah, he's pumped over there. He needs to change his jersey number to 11. Ivan Ivan, 1-1. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, okay, we can uh, we can go forward then. We've got an interview here for you with the Avs head scout, Wade Klippenstein. We talk a, a good bit about prospects and development with him, so let's roll it, and we'll come back to you after. Hey guys, Megan Ingley here with Director of Amateur Scouting, Wade Klippenstein. How are you doing, Wade? Really well. Yeah, it's been a great week here in Vegas. I'm sure it's been a very telly week, too, for you. Yeah, it's a good chance to see some players we haven't seen in a while and see some other teams' prospects, so it's, uh, it's been exciting that way, for sure. I didn't know if you wanted to head it off, because my questions kind of dive right in. Go for it. 
Yeah. Well, the nature of pro scouting is very different than amateur scouting. Absolutely. And I was curious in how you measure success in evaluating your wins when you're looking at amateur scouting, because it's so obvious for the pro scouting side of things when an archery lucky is a great fit when starting up on the team, whereas your side of things, it takes some time for this to be fully realized. Yeah, it's definitely a different runway, a much longer runway for the amateur scouting. So. For us, there's uh, small victories along the way, little benchmarks, but it, it's a long, long process. So this is one piece of it. We get a chance to see some of the amateur guys against some of the pros. It's kind of a mixed bag of players you see out here, all different ages and, and different talent levels. So it's uh, exciting to see some of these guys and how they stack up against the pros. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, Megan's talking about measuring their wins and, and some of the losses over time, but when you guys don't, when, you, when you're not successful, on the amateur side, yeah. How do you how do you reevaluate and look inward and say what did we do wrong here and kind of how do you guys separate? Well, what, did we draft a guy that wasn't very good or did we fail to develop him? So yeah. how do you guys parse that? There, there's a lot of pieces that go into it. Like when we make the selection at 17 years old, what the player does after that, a lot of it's up to the player, um, and we have some control of it based on where the player is playing. And we drafted two players this past year from Russia, so our mm -hmm. development team's access to those players is a little bit limited versus a player that's in the CHL that we can get to a little easier. So um, there's different things to go into it. We you know, see how it turns out um, and we go back and revisit it and see did this player have the path to success we thought they did. Uh, the people in their lives, whether it's their strength coach, their goalie coach, skills coach, where they play junior, um, like we're a part of it, but we're partners with a lot of people. So we try and make sure when we draft a player that they do have that path to success and when they don't what happened uh, was it on the player was it on us was it our evaluation process that we thought we saw something we didn't um, but there again there's a lot of pieces that go into it we talk about a, a player's path to success you know it's we've got jeremy hansel out here this weekend he's in kind of a unique spot yeah you guys did this a few years ago with brandon sajan it didn't work out the way that you wanted to you know what do you see as Jeremy's path to success and what would be the value of an overage year in WHL? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Interesting file. Obviously an older player that had a lot of success last year with his team in Seattle. And, and uh, you know, going back there, there, there is some positives there. We have a bit of a different role, maybe a little more offensive opportunity than he had these past couple of years. Um, is he good enough to play pro or he can get enough out of it? I think that's still to be determined. I think we've seen flashes of some real positive things both in the development camp and here again this week. Uh, we'll see him hopefully in the training camp and, and beyond. Um, those decisions are obviously still pending, but uh, does he go back to Seattle and they move him to a different team where he gets a whole different opportunity? So that's a great file to bring up because that is a player of interest definitely. As an older drafted player, what do you do with him and what's the best for him and, and for us long-term? You know, when you guys are drafting a player with that kind of profile, do you talk to the pro side of it at all? Do you guys talk about his development or what's next for him? Or do you just say he's next on our list? We like the guy, so we're taking him. Yeah, our amateur process and our list building is independent of our pro side. Um, you know, we have an AVS identity that we try to make sure we blend that into our list. But because you've seen in the past that you'll draft a player and our depth chart looks one way and by the time he's ready to play, we're way different. And you look at a couple years ago, we had all those right shot defense. We yeah. our depth chart. We were one of the richest teams in the National Hockey League with our right shot D, and all three of them got traded away. So, um, sure glad we didn't draft based on that. So.
in looking at the prospect pool as a whole, we've kind of all talked about how it's a bit unconventional in ways, yeah. in some of the path that has brought all of these players together. And I was curious what some of the challenges and creativity has been in building this group. Not having picks is a tremendous <laughs> challenge, um, as let's state the obvious. Two years ago, we had the last pick in the sixth round and the last pick in the seventh round. And then this year's a little better, where we ended up with a couple first round picks. And then you see the, the player pool, or at least you hear about it because they're not here uh, for various reasons. But um, having picks uh, is probably the biggest part of it. And the good news is we don't have picks because we're trying to win. It's like we're in that win now mode, as we unfortunately did two years ago. And, and uh, so I think we've had 16 picks in the last four drafts, and a lot of them have been late on Saturday afternoon. So uh, hopefully we can get to a point from the amateur staff where we have more options, more selections. And at the draft, you talked about how you guys have broadened your overseas scouting, bringing on a new person in Andre Pakhanov and Alexi Kusarov. I was curious, since you've headed up the department, how it has grown as a whole. Yeah, we, we've tried to be more diverse with our coverage. Um, for me, balance is a big thing. And if you're really heavy in one area, that is obviously where you're most likely to have a greater comfort level, which leads to selections. Uh, I want to make sure our coverage in Finland, Russia, Sweden was similar to our coverage in the Western Hockey League, the Quebec League, and the Ontario League. And, and we're getting closer to that with some of the names you mentioned and people we've added. Um, you know, we've made some changes in how we structure our staff to get that more complete balance in our coverage. So um, I think you saw some of that in our selections last year. But at the same time, your, your selections are so so based on what other teams take. You might like some guys, you might have four CHL guys in a row and all of a sudden, bang, 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 they're gone. Yeah. And now we take the guy from Russia. So um, a lot of it's out of our hand with 30 other one teams in the mix. And there's certainly been an uptick of college players too that are being picked up, whether that be free agency. And Kevin McDonald shouted out Mike Taglia as the yeah. director of video, being a huge component in helping yeah. that. But I was curious behind the scenes, what other ways that area of scouting has become a lot more important or more closely looked at? Yeah, I think a lot of it's based on, again, going back to us not having a lot of picks in the amateur draft. Uh, we have to be really creative and maybe aggressive in other areas, whether it's college free agents, CHL free agents. Um, there's different paths into our team. The amateur drafts the one that probably gets the most profile. Uh, but like I said, some of the college free agents that Mike was able to see in the field and, and Kevin was able to you know, back up his coverage on, um, I think it makes a difference. And we're at that point where we absolutely need those, those streams coming into our team as well. This will be my last one. One player that you sort of got to put your name alongside newly into the role is Sean Barrett. And because he's obviously not in a showcase like this, yeah. I was just curious the reports on how he's developing so far and what we can look forward to. A lot of optimism around Sean, uh, the player, the person, the student. Uh, you know, obviously in our backyard there, we get a lot of reports. And two of his assistant coaches are former teammates of mine, so I have a pretty good handle on on the news that comes out of there. Um, staying healthy for him, I think, is the number one challenge. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, so hopefully this year he has that type of season where he can play you know, 36, 40 games in a row, and I think we'll really see the development take off for Sean. That's all I have for you, too. Thank you so all much, All right. Wade. Thanks, guys. I appreciate Thank it. That yeah. was Wade Klippenstein, the Avs head scout, the guy that makes a lot of the big decisions when it comes to things like drafting a guy like a Jeremy Hansel, something like that. Let me start here. Do you guys think the Avs have in the organization currently the guy that is going to break the streak of not having 
a non-first round, we'll call it, player be successful at the NHL level? Yes. One yes? Megan's not sure? Well, he doesn't necessarily get credit in his current role for Foodie. Okay. But Foodie is my answer. he's a part of it a little bit. Sure. Because of how long he's been with the organization. Yeah, yeah. So... Absolutely, he's going to break the curse. Mm-hmm. Starting with a foodie in the mix, but I'm feeling good about this last draft year, general, generally yeah. speaking, and I think that they could get something out of Jeremy Hansel. The question was non-first round. Non-first round. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I think so. So we've got a foodie, we've got Hansel. Are those the two front runners right now? Could someone like a Steinberg sneak into that, that pack too, or do we think there's a pretty clear separation there? Yeah, I mean, if Matt Steinberg keeps uh, sabotaging all of his competition. <laughs> yeah, everybody get hurt. He's the one who actually hurt Jason Poland, so, you know, <laughs> that's all it is. He's just got to keep taking out the competition. He'll make it. No, seriously, though, Steinberg, yeah, he's in that mix. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Okay. Just wanted, to, just wanted to check. We Wade Klippenstein believers on this show. But also believers in all of the guys that are in the development part of, of it. Course. Because, of course. You know, Wade's job is done when it comes to those kids. That's true. He, he, he drafted them, and then it's not his thing uh, anymore. Honestly, this, when he drafts them, that's it. He's, he, that's, that's his job is to, you know, clip. He, he drafts them and then hands them over to the dev, to the dev guys, and now it's on to the dev guys. Yep. And, and the kid himself. You know, it's, it's on to Jeremy Hansel, and it's on to Callum Ritchie, you know, you know Mikhail Gulyayev. I know those guys are first-rounders, but, you know, they're late first-rounders, so give me a break. Well, and I'm excited, then, if we are expanding it beyond, like, yeah, guys who could it. be in the first round. We don't know what Sean Barron's is yet, and I don't want to huh. get carried away, but that's just another thing to look forward to down the defensive pipeline. How silly is it we're talking about non-first-rounders and Sean Barron's wasn't even the first <laughs> answer that any of us had? No, but and you're right, and it's fun to see. That's why... Those rookie showcases are fun, and you're bang on. Like, it's, you know, Klippenstein and the crew, they, they drive, and then they go look for the next one, right? Mm-hmm. And then Bednar's like, oh, and, and, and Pratt and Benedict, yeah, oh, okay, so he's not ready. We don't care about him. It's funny. It, it, it is such <laughs> levels yeah. everywhere, you know? And the, the pro guys are like, yeah, well, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, all they care about is, the NHL rosters, and you know what I mean, because they're used to watching NHL rosters in American League. So, so on a tournament like this, any pro scouts looking at this, it's just to see the up and comers, like you know what I mean, that that they know about. Other than that, they don't know who the guys are. Neither do they care who they are, and that's not their job, you yeah. know. And then, and maybe maybe time to. I told Megan today we were talking about this, but maybe give a little love to Mike Battaglia. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about, and yes. and, and Neil Shea and I those guys, it. like the college. Free agents, I, I do believe, you know, I think we all believe Poland, uh, yeah. you know, uh, signings like that. I, Sandlin, even to an American League deal. And Sam Malinsky. So, Sam Malinsky. Uh, that, that's a great fall. Okay. I mean, sorry, spring, you know, that they had, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. awesome. And I think Mike does a good job. And, and, again, that's what he looks for. So he kind of blend everybody in this weekend. It's kind of nice. The pro guys, the college free agent guys, and, you know, amateur guys. And. It's awesome. It's awesome to watch and come to fruition. And it's a year after Ben Myers and Wyatt Amon. Yep. yep. You know, Ben, if, if you're talking about Ben Myers competing with Jason Poland and Andre Pavel for your bottom of the roster, like, 
who whoever is doing the work in your organization of scouting out college free agents to doing fit some to, heavy lifting yeah, there, yeah to fill specific needs is doing a really good job or they're just sending all of Minnesota State's players <laughs> to <laughs> development camp. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, Mike Vitagli just living in Minnesota <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Poor guy. It, it really is it, it's a fascinating side of the game. I think that's why all of us like it so much. And, mm-hmm. and that development side, which we will talk about a little bit more. But first, we are brought to you by Shady Rays. You can go get your sunglasses on today at ShadyRays.com. Use code DNVR when you purchase. You get two pairs or more at checkout. You get 50% off your entire purchase with that DNVR code. They're great sunglasses all the way around. We all love them. We all use them. Uh, they've been rated over five, over 250,000 people have rated them over five stars. There we go. Got that's a there. lot of five stars. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stars. That's over a million stars right there. So go jump on it. Uh, the best part is their return policy, though. When you get the sunglasses, if you break them, you lose them, or you don't like them, they will replace them completely for free in the first month. So why not give them a try? You might as well. They could be free if you don't like them. So. Go over there, ShadyRays.com. If you're local in Colorado, they have a brick and mortar in Park Meadows Mall as well. Check them out today. And then wear your Shady Rays to the next Volo event. You can get over with Volo and sign up today. There are a bunch of fall leagues going on. You can get the Volo Pass for 20 bucks a month, or you can test it out for just 10 bucks a month for the first three months. And it's unlimited drop-ins. pick up all of that stuff tournaments as well you can just show up you can get into games have a great time with one of the biggest social sports companies in the u.s uh they have tons of leagues all over the the state of colorado lodo rhino uptown city park highlands sloan's lake cherry creek du inglewood arvada aurora northfield and more and their fall leagues are open now so sign up before those fall leagues get closed uh, or get your Volo Pass today. You can use code DNVR10 when you go to volosports.com slash Denver, and you'll get $10 off your purchase. That's essentially the first month free with the Beta Pass. So get it at volosports.com slash Denver today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, we're talking development here. We've talked to not just Wade, but a lot of the development staff for the Colorado Avalanche at this event what is what is your guys' feeling from, from a lot of these guys? Are, are they hard-pressed? Do they want to, to break this streak of, of perceived or not? I get it. Logan O'Connors have been successful, sometimes saying they've never been successful with these later-round draft picks. is isn't the most accurate thing in the world. But from an organizational standpoint, is that something they really want to break through on? Of course. Yeah. You think this is the track record they want to have? Well, I, I was less I mean, about that. You're going, you're going on a decade plus of being the worst NHL franchise at getting non-first round picks to the NHL. You know, and, and granted, there have been a lot of changes in the organization in that time for yeah. a reason. Yeah. You know, for because there were a lot of you know Rick Pracy and Alan Heppel have come and gone, and now now it's it's Wade Klippenstein's ship. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 his drafting record that we judge now, and. Yeah, of course they want to they they want to break out of this and of course they want to get it right because right now it's not right. And it's as arguably as important as it's ever been that they start to get it right because Nathan McKinnon ain't getting any younger. You know Nathan Nathan McKinnon yeah is is approaching that 30-year-old range and he's really highly paid. Kyle McCarr and Miko Rantanen are going to get 
raises and be among the highest paid players in the in the league over the next handful of years as well. So it's more important than ever that they find cost-efficient guys who are on cheap contracts. ELCs, second contracts, you know, you need to be able to find guys for a million dollars that can help you win games. This is something that Tampa Bay has done well and why they've been in their window for as long as they have been yep. is not only finding value in contracts from pro players, but being able to pull guys from the American League as well. That can be depth options for them. And I think that's the balance that Colorado is trying to better strike. But something this weekend has taught me a lot about development staff is a greater understanding of what it is that they do and the ways that they grow and evolve within their departments to address these types of concerns. I don't know that, you know, my impression isn't that they, they want to break through because they're personally unsatisfied with their track record. I think it's they want to demonstrate that all of the hard work that they've been, been putting into development to grow this area for the Colorado Avalanche is going to amount to something. I, I think they want to start seeing the fruits of their labor. It, it's what makes it such a difficult area to evaluate because that's going to be seen in a little bit of time. And because there have been these new changes implemented, they're growing, they're scouting staff, and they're focusing more on goaltending. And, you know, in talking to Craig Billington and learning more about his role within the organization, it's not something I had heard of before, what they are doing to just grow, how they are looking at development on the whole. And I think that's something that people aren't privy to knowing that has made this weekend so valuable is to see the ways in which they're working very hard to improve their approach to amateur scouting and development. And for Wade, there's a feel-out period too. You know I mean? He takes over. Sure. It's new. Um, that's his group. Um, how long has it been now? Is it is it two years? Is it, uh, you know? Four years? Since. Well, it's a few years anyway. But what I'm saying is at the start, you're, you're learning to, to be the guy, to be the main guy. You need to have a better understanding of your staff. Um, he's made some changes, right? He's made some, some tweaks here and there. Now it's a matter of same thing. They have to adapt to him as well. And what's he looking for, right? Because you're the one that's it's like C-Mac and those guys, right? At the end of the day, there's you have pro scouts and then you make trades and, you know, but people look at you because you're the one that made the final decision, right? But there's people underneath you. So it's the same thing at the amateur level. And they're, 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 I think they're better suited for each other now. They're more, uh, this is more like his group now. Now you're going to start seeing, um, you know, the real fruit of what they're, you know, cultivating here and, and to see what's going to happen. But, you know, he seems like a confident guy. He seems like a well-spoken uh, man. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's confident in his decision-making. And, and you can tell that, you know, the staff is uh, rallying behind him and, He's going to be a big leader there, like he's been the last few years. But I think now it's it's more let's go. You know what I mean? Where, yep. like AJ said, you know, break the barrier or, you know, go from there. Punch through at a certain point. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, you, you look at this development path. Eric, you talk a lot about how, you know, a lot of the time your job is, hey, I just have to make a decision on this kid. Do I think he can make it or not? When you talk about the development side of things, is there a lot more open-endedness to that? Because your organization is going to get the kids you draft, and you have to work with them. 
How does that investment work for an organization? Is this a, we're going to give these kids everything they need, or do you make decisions quickly on who you think is going to make it and who's not? No, no, you're right. I mean, it's an investment, and that's why they're starting to spend more money on development. Every team is, you know, whether it's the, the support that they get and all the tools that the kids are allowed to get. And you got to remember a lot of times, like, it's a touchy situation because they go back to college or they go back to juniors and you got to remember they're they're part of a team there you yeah. can't just go and invade you know yeah. like they're you know i don't want to say privacy but you know somewhere somehow that kid's playing for that team and it's you can't just all of a sudden take over and you tell that kid don't listen to coach rudo or coach <laughs> i mean it's like you know it's not how it works and but they're starting to spend some bigger investments in kids and whether it's nutrition or you know uh, what they do at development camp, showing those kids all the methods of, you know, even how to cook for a meal for yourself, yep. right? You know, instead of just going to, you know, fast food joint, you know, and learning all that kind of stuff. So so they do emphasize on that. Um, but you got to remember, most people are not Nathan McKinnon, right? <laughs> right? That's that's an easy one or, or Kale McCarr. But most people take time. And when I say that, it's like, no, me, it's more like... Once they get to a certain point, like they're 22, 23, you know what I mean? So where are they at? Yeah, there's a fine line between you waited too long or, you know, you should have got rid of them before because it was too. So there is a fine line. Uh, it's hard to judge from the outside if you haven't spent years with a kid. But at some point, I can tell you that after a few years with a kid, you can tell that it's not going to work. You know what I mean? And then that's when it is, as an organization, you're like, we have to make a decision and, you know, we're going to make, you know, for the benefit of him or whatever, like a, a change. And then, you know, we go get a different asset. And then that's where it happens. But, yeah, I mean, you, there's a fine line between pulling the trigger too quick. And, well, I mean, it's hard to tell an 18-year-old, like, you know, of course, oh, this guy yeah. can't play. You know, but after a while, you do see a pattern. You see some trends. And then you're like, yeah, I don't think he's going to get it. You know what sure. I mean? Um, so, yeah, some guys are masters of that. Some guys are... Not so much because they fall in love with the player, which is, hey, listen, there's human beings involved, right? So, and then you're like, he's going to come out of it. And then sometimes the kid just doesn't because he's already yeah. tapped out and this is where he's at and he's not getting better. Um, but you think as an organization from the outside, you haven't been with them for a few years and then you're like, oh, oh no, we can fix that. I see what they see. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this game and it's fun and you give each other chances and, you know, and that's the beauty of, uh, Seeing prospects mature to, you know, all of a sudden becoming NHL players, it's fun. Awesome. Um, anything you two want to add for the development path conversation? I'm trying to keep it a little bit short today so we can go <laughs> enjoy our last night in Vegas. I mean, we got to enjoy it a little bit. Come on. I've got nothing else. Good? I don't. Good. All right. That nothing is brought to you all by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. We're going to go drink some of that out tonight. Have a good time. Give it up for Breck Brew. Obviously, eight different kinds at our bar out in Colorado, but you can find it right here in Las Vegas or anywhere else in the States. Use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com. And then when you got a beer in your hand, you can go bet on the football game behind us if you want. Use DraftKings.com. When you sign up with DraftKings, 
You bet $5 after using the DNVR code at sign up and you get $200 instantly in bonus bets. So jump on it with DraftKings. They also give you two new offers every game day this September. So you have a bunch of stuff to bet on. Uh, football, certainly for someone like me, it's a whole lot more fun when you're in on the action, when you have some skin on the line. Uh, be sure to use that DNVR code when you sign up to get those $200 in bonus bets when you bet $5. Only DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Uh, of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.t1800gambler.net in New York. You can call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, licensee, partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, L.A., 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. We made it. We made it through. We made it through our Vegas trip. The next time you see our faces, we will be at home in Colorado. We had a blast. I hope y'all enjoyed all of the content we've made out here. There might be a couple more things trickling out on YouTube, Twitter, and the website. Keep an eye for today's game day stuff and things like that. But it's been a blast. We've enjoyed. We're going to get out of here for the final time from Vegas. We appreciate y'all, and we'll see you in the next one.